This is Radio Stockdale. Welcome to Radio Stockdale. I'm Michael Sears. And I'm Doug Rao. And today's format's a little different because we're talking about case studies that we do online here at the Stockdale Center and leadership education and development here at the Naval Academy. Doug, you're the man as far as I'm concerned. You've been doing this for quite some time. You know all this stuff, right? Well, I wouldn't say that, Michael. That's a pretty bold statement to say. But I have been part of the teaching staff here at the Naval Academy in the Leadership Ethics and Law Department. And I've been part of the the team that's been teaching our moral reasoning for junior officers. And we depend upon having these case studies to show the examples and have the midshipmen walk through them so that they can decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. So... One of the things out of the innovation lab at the Stockdale Center is we're trying to figure out new ways to present these case studies. Some of them are actually case studies that have, you know, a lot of history to them. Today, we're going to talk about what we call the switchman. Now, it actually is the trolley problem that ethical dilemma developed, what was it, 1967, I think, by Dr. Philippa Foote. And our version of it is pretty much right on, but it's the way we're actually presenting it. And let me just talk about that just for a second. The presentation here is a scenario that's online that can be played with your phone, with your computer, with your pad, or what have you. And it's a one-on-one interaction with these sets of episodes that will take you through these dilemmas. Doug, one of the things we are doing with this is trying to make sure students and instructors get an idea on how to actually use some of these new case studies online. Yeah, well, I appreciate that because we often use this particular case study just to get a sense, just to get a conversation going on what is the the basis for people to make moral decisions. If I can, Michael, there was an opportunity I had not that long ago where I had a a family come in and they wanted to talk about the Naval Academy. They had a candidate and the the candidate had a a sibling who was about a 12-year-old boy. And he said, if you're teaching ethics. Can you give me an example? So this young boy is pretty astute. And I said, well, a very simple example to talk about moral reasoning and ethics is let's talk about this trolley problem or the switchman as we have it here. And so I just laid out very simply this scenario. And I said, if you're the switchman, what would you do? Would you hit the switch to save four people for the sake of just one? And he immediately said, well, sure, saving four for the sake of one would be the right thing to do. And then he said, however, does it make a difference who that one person is? And Michael, that's something that we will talk about a little bit further in the scenarios that you've set up uh, for the switchman that's online, because that's an important question that we want to pose to our instructors and we want to pose to our midshipmen. So it's at www.stockdaleinteractive.com. That's where all of these scenarios are. Let's jump into the switchman. And we're, as we said earlier, you know, the best way to learn to be a surface warfare officer or to be a fighter pilot is to actually do it. Jump in the airplane, jump on the bridge, actually fly the plane, steer the ship, con the ship. Second best way is to use tools like simulations. So this really, the switchman is a simulation. Okay, we're talking a little bit about 
Aristotelian ethics and virtues. Let me go ahead and set the tone for what this is all about. The Switchman is a scenario where you, as the player, so to speak, are standing next to a switch. This is, again, this is the classic problem. And that switch is the switch on a trolley or a railroad track. And you can decide whether or not to move a switch from one track to another track to divert oncoming traffic. The scenario goes like this. You're standing at the switch. There's a trolley coming down the track. The brakes of that trolley have failed. At the end of the track are four people working. They don't hear or see or perceive that that trolley is coming down the track to run them over. It's your call on what to do. You can divert that trolley by pulling the switch. And if you do that, Doug, what happens? Well, if you divert it, then it goes to the other track. And there is one person who is standing on that track who likewise can't hear, is distracted, and doesn't know what's coming. And if you turn that switch, then that one person will be killed. Those other four persons would be saved. What does that mean in terms of the decision that you're making as that switchman? You're making a decision between changing the course of events that have already been set, right? That's correct. Yeah. And for some people, they would say that maybe this isn't a decision that I should even have to make because I am therefore making a decision on who lives and who dies. But the answer that regularly comes up in this, if you are given this choice, if you are really forced to make a decision here, the standard response is, well, we are much better off saving for and this one person might be sacrificed for that. And that's called teleological reasoning, where the consequences are the end state, where really just the, the greatest happiness for the greatest number of people, four people are saved, one person dies. Teleological is the decision that's based on consequences. And so it's the end state. And that's, the, that's what forces you to say, which is the best decision? Which has the best outcome? Four people live or one person lives? And that's what would drive the decision in this particular case for most people. Deontological is the other part of it, right? That's correct. And deontological is a, is a different uh, foundation of moral reasoning. And that has to do with the duty that you have to others, that you, the duty to treat everybody with dignity and respect. And so part of that decision is, do I have the right responsibility, authority, that I should take the life of others into my hands and to make that decision because I have this duty to treat everybody with dignity and respect. Let me ask you to parse those because if I'm standing next to that, if I'm the switchman, I'm standing next to that switch and I do nothing in a sense, right? Am I doing something? Well, you've made a decision to not act. That's correct. And that's another part of the, uh, the, the decision process, do you have an obligation to act when you know there is something that you can do that might have a significant outcome for that situation? And so this, this switchman, and this is, this is an interesting part of the conversation because if you are the switchman, you are someone who's employed by the railroad company, do you have an obligation to make that decision? Or if you're just someone who's a passerby and you just see this scenario, do you also have an obligation to make that sort of decision. And that becomes a very complex uh, scenario to talk about, whether you have 
this specific obligation for being part of the company or just the obligation to being an individual who is in a scenario who can and maybe should make a decision. You bring up a good point. Let's say I'm the employee or maybe just a passerby and I just happen to know how to work a switch. Is that decision based on who I am or is it based on community standards? I would say it has to do with the community that you are part of. Michael, we, in the, in the class, we talk about a moral deliberation roadmap that takes us through the constraints that we have, the obligations that we have just as being a person, that everybody deserves dignity and respect. Then we also have the consideration of consequences. And in this particular case, consequences, consequences always matter, but consequences become the overarching thought for why someone would hit the switch. And then we have this other part of special obligations. And the special obligations could be the obligations that I have for being part of a team, part of a company, part of a family, as well as the natural obligations I have to treat everybody with dignity and respect. So from my perspective, my point of view, if I'm an employee and I'm assigned to be the switchman, there are obligations that I have to manage that switch and to make those sorts of decisions. Okay, let's take this next step to this next part of the episode. Episode one, you're the switchman and you have one to four. That's like landing on the pitching deck of an aircraft carrier in midday doing flight operations. Not easy, not easy at all, but you don't have the weather, the goo, the pitching deck and all that kind of stuff to deal with. Let's take it to that next step. The next episode still has that one individual over there who doesn't know that he or she is about to be run over if you pull the switch. But all of a sudden, those four folks at the end of the track who will be run over if you do nothing are no longer generic average citizens. They're wearing orange jumpsuits. Now, I don't want to qualify that one way or the other, but let's say they've had a run-in with the judicial system of the United States and they might be convicts. Does that change anything? Well, for most people it does because when you start considering the issue of consequential reasoning, part of the problem is we don't know what the future is going to look like. We don't know what the future might be for those four people who are on who are convicts but we know that they have some sort of history and therefore they may have forfeited some of their particular rights to to their health and not to be harmed we also do not know what the future is for that other person on the on the tracks and so uh, when you do consequential reasoning the way that Jeremy Bentham and, and John Stuart Mill have laid it out it really is a very difficult process to understand, to try and predict what's going to happen in the future and how that greatest happiness is going to play out in the second, third, and fourth degree scenarios. So it's a, it's a very difficult scenario to, to consider. And what generally happens is we as individuals make some moral values of those persons who are on the track. And Immanuel Kant would say, you can't do that. Those persons, they are persons, they all deserve dignity and respect. But we, from what you just said, we see them in jumpsuits. We think that they are convicts. We think that they've done something that's already violated our social system, and therefore they have forfeited some rights already, and therefore they are lesser than that one person on the, on the other part of the track. 
So there's no right answer here, Doug. In fact, I'm going to throw out, and I'm not going to screw things, screw people up and say they're all of a sudden smoke jumpers and they have orange jumpsuits just because they can be seen better visibility during a fire. But you're right. We make a moral judgment based on what we perceive. Let me go to this next step. Okay. You still have those four orange jumpsuits at the end of the track. If you do nothing, those four jumpsuits, those four people in the jumpsuits are still at the end of the track. But on that other track, instead of that one generic adult, we have someone who is obviously a seven to nine-year-old little girl holding a little bunny, and she's walking down the track. Does that change things? I would say for most people, it does. And again, this has to do with this issue of where we see our obligations. Again, Immanuel Kant would say we have a natural obligation to everybody, to treat everybody with dignity and respect. This switchman would have this voluntary obligation. I have signed up, I'm working for the company, and therefore I should be making a decision. But we have this obligation of solidarity. And if it's a young girl, we know that our instincts would say, that could be my daughter, that could be my niece. And therefore, we might add additional value to that individual, not knowing what their future is, not knowing uh, how things might work out. But we would not want the innocence of a young child to be you know, taken in this particular scenario. And it, it just makes it much more difficult Michael, as we consider what the options are. And, and in all of this, you know, you made the, the comment that this isn't really as complex, but there is, there is such moral weight on making this decision when you know that a decision, either decision, no decision, means that somebody is going to be hurt significantly and probably killed. And to, to make a decision that you feel comfortable with that you could say, I made the best decision at that time, that has a lot of moral weight to it. Now, we've got one more episode, but the reason we're doing this is so that our students can actually go through those thought processes now, not when they're standing next to the, uh, the track, so they can understand that making a decision, throwing the switch or not throwing the switch is a decision, and understand the magnitude of that. Let me take you to this last scenario. No longer four jumpsuits, orange jumpsuits at the end of the track, but it's six people and they're having a good time, but they're not listening to what's coming down the track. Some folks might say that they're already dead. They just haven't been hit by the trolley yet. If you do nothing, the trolley will run over them. And on that other track, if you throw the switch, you will run over that other person again, no longer a seven to nine year old young girl, but it's now your adult brother. What happens in that case? Well, Michael, this again is this obligation of solidarity, this obligation of being part of a team, part of a family, which can take a scenario that you might think is might be permitted. And for the sake of this obligation to your family, you might say it's required. It's required of you to protect your family over others that you don't know. And again, this this is really a, a difficult scenario to, to consider uh, because, again, as we said, in this scenario, you do know that people's lives are at stake. But we know that there is an obligation of solidarity that, that binds a team, that binds a shipmate, that binds a, a 
a Marine together to do things for the sake of their families, for the sake of those that they love over those who they don't know. Doug, these four scenarios are pretty interesting, aren't they? Well, they're, they're very interesting. And again, they're very difficult because no decision, people die. One decision or other, people die. And to, to consider that you might ever be in a scenario where you have to make a decision where people would be hurt seriously or to die is a, carries a lot of moral value. When you start with the thought that everybody deserves dignity and respect in this scenario, everybody does not survive. And if I could, Michael, there's a, there's a show called The Good Place, which I think many people have seen. And there's a, it's a scenario that's running where we have a, an angel and angels dealing with this young fellow, Chitty. And Chitty says, you know, Michael, to the angel, I'm a philosopher and I've studied these things all my life and I know what the right thing to do is. And they immediately jump into a scenario where they're on a trolley, a real trolley, and they're going down a track and there's four people. And as, as Chitty starts going, but, 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 the train hits the four people. And part of that is when we do these scenarios, you have a little bit of time to think about some of these things. And one of the reasons we want to go through these scenarios is to have people think about it when the consequences are not real, when they have a little time to think about it. Because in the line of business we are, some of these scenarios are going to jump up when you don't have the time. And it would be good to have thought about some of these things before. So, Michael, one of the things that I would wonder for you is if you're looking down the track and you are the switchman and you see four people on the one track and you know that's the train that's going in that direction and you see one person on the other track, what would you do? Wow, Doug, that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, you know, I've looked at the switchman and the trolley problem for years now. You know, theoretically, technically, academically, I understand it. I understand all the balances uh, that are made uh, between that. I have never been in a life and death situation like that. But this is probably a long-winded way of saying, I don't know, because I'd rather be in the context in that moment. But the cool thing about this is pretty much just what you said. The thing that I have to do and our students have to do, and frankly, hopefully everyone needs to do, we, we tend to be, at least in this institution, people of action. We like to actually make a decision one way or the other. It's easy for me, very much like Chitty said, I know what to do. I know what the right thing to do. I think I know what the right thing to do, but I want to get into that context. The, the best way for me to do that is to get that muscle memory, muscle meaning my brain, to make sure I do understand as many of those concepts as I possibly can so that when the actual decision is about to be made, I can actually click in and do it. So yeah, I can t I'd hate to run over a little girl. I'd hate to, you know, I, I might be utilitarian. I hate to play God, all that kind of stuff. But if nothing else, I understand these ideas a little bit more. And therefore, hopefully I can make those decisions better. And the important thing here for me, at least, is the best outcome for those people involved. And quite frankly, the best outcome for me, because I'm the one, the train's not coming for me. Right. I'm the one who has to live with those consequences. Yeah, I appreciate that uh, that analysis there, Michael, and to kind of talk through that. If I could just take you back to this 12-year-old boy that, again, I thought was really insightful because he said the real easy decision is you hit the switch and then you save the, the four people. And then he paused and he said, 
But what if that one person happens to be the president of the United States? Said, I don't think I would be able to hit the switch if it was that person because the impact that that person has on so many lives. And so, again, it's, it, I think it's great that we have these different scenarios to walk through and to see how, in our moral deliberation, we might take something that is required and it might turn into something that's, no, it's only permitted, or it might be something that actually is forbidden. And those are the three options that we generally have in making a decision. And the moral deliberation that we work through helps us to review those things and to come up with a decision, a moral analysis that we can say, for me, that was the right decision and I can live with that despite the fact that people were hurt. This is a very good conversation. Hopefully we can have some more shameless plug for StockdaleInteractive.com. You can go to that website and see the Switchman and other scenarios. And I hope you can join me, Doug, going forward with actually doing this analysis on those other scenarios also. Thanks for joining us. Well, Michael, thank you very much. And I greatly appreciate the effort that you've made so that I can use these scenarios in my classroom and have the students scratch their head a little bit and then say, well, that was easy. No, you know what? That was hard. And we want them to think about these hard decisions early. So thank you very much, Michael. You've been listening to Radio Stockdale, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts. 